We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. schedule release to everybody welcome back to another episode here of setting the pace i'm your host alex goldman i'm joined today by the president of the german o'neill fan club michael j Fachi. Fachi, what's going on brother oh life is good we've been dying for some nba news schedule release day it's something it gets you to say all right let's see hey what are the big games on here what do we got and i think you know, everybody always does the classic. We didn't get enough nationally televised games. That's usually the first thing that you hear. And I guess the NBA kept it consistent. Alex, just one nationally televised game, another five on NBA TV. Did you expect more? No. This team was the third, fourth worst team in the Eastern Conference last year. They've been in the lottery the last three seasons you got to earn nationally televised games. Number one, we're a small market. And number two, we haven't been winning basketball games. So what do you expect? Anybody that expects us to have more than a bunch of NBA TV games and one maybe on ESPN or TNT, if you expected more than that, then I'm sorry, but it's just a bit delusional. I love you all. You're great fans. And this is a fun team to watch, but they got to start winning and earn that before they can start being on nationally televised games because... The last time they were, that team sucked. <laughs> so that team got broke up quite a bit. So it's just one of those things where it's like, this team has not made the playoffs since Nate McMillan was the head coach. We've had Nate Bjorken, and we've had two years of Rick Carlisle. So earn it. That's what I say. You know, I saw like a glass half full approach. What do you mean? We got six nationally televised games. It's like, okay, NBA TV, that's a little bit of a stretch. Um, <laughs> we do have the nationally televised game against the Boston Celtics. On January 30th um, on TNT, I think that's going to be a really good game. And we played Boston really well last mm-hmm. year. Beat them in one game, came really close in another. I mean, there was uh, there was some tough games. So 
look, the schedule is subject to change in terms of what could be on national uh, national television or not. So maybe some th- things do change, but also some of the games that are even on NBA TV. I mean, the Bucks, the Heat, the Lakers, some of those could be tough games. You also play Toronto, Houston. So we'll see. Um, but also when you're on those type of platforms, you want to make sure you got your A game. You don't want to be down 30 to Milwaukee and people will be like, oh, man, the Pacers, like, what is this? So hopefully we'll be ready for those games. But there was also quite a few other takeaways from the NBA schedule. Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing that's kind of interesting to me is that we're starting off the year once again against the Washington Wizards on Wednesday night at home for the home opener, which is exactly what happened last year. I think it was like a week before, though, because they did push the season back to start one week later than it was the last couple of years. I don't know if you noticed that or not, but we were kind of starting like third week of October. They've moved it back to the fourth week. But that was kind of an interesting one, and one that I tweeted about Fachi was December 31st, our New Year's Eve game that was a classic for the Indiana Pacers, was to host a home game in the afternoon around 3, 3.30. That is not on the schedule this year, and it was brought to my attention via Twitter. That is because the Indianapolis Colts have a home game that day at 1 o'clock, and I think it could interfere with ticket sales. So it does make sense, but at the same time, as a Major bummer to me to not see that game be played at, you know, the field house because I love I love going to those games. I love watching those games. It's always a fun one. Last year, the Pacers, I think they beat the Clippers on New Year's Eve. Yeah, yep. Mm -hmm. That was a super fun game game. going back and forth. And Tyrese just kind of closed it out. So (sighs) a bit of a bummer. But other than that, the game before that, we're at home against the Knicks on the 30th. So maybe that'll help make up for that lack of New Year's Eve game. Yeah, it, it very well could. Um, but yeah, that Clippers game, man, that was a duel. Paul George, I think he had like 45 or mm-hmm. had a really good game. Um, so that, that was one of the highlights of last year. But yeah, I, I don't know what it is with the NBA pairing the Pacers up with the Wizards once again. But look, seventh time in the last eight years at home. I mean, interesting. The Pacers have an opportunity. You know, this is off the bat. Bilal Kula. Bali versus Jarris Walker, the man who wore a Pacer hat against, you know, on draft night against the man who is a Pacer. So uh, that that could be cool. But also seven of the first nine at home gives the yeah, Pacers big. an opportunity to get, you know, out of the gates with a hot start. So that would be very exciting. Uh, but also then before you even know it, we're in the in-season tournament. I mean, it comes quick. Mm-hmm. So that starts, I think, uh, November 3rd against the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I, I think that's a good way to get excited about uh, an early regular season game that isn't just whatever, it's the second game on the schedule, it doesn't matter. Nope, this game actually does matter more than the usual second game of the year. Yeah, all those in-season tournament games will be played in November, Friday, uh, Friday, November 3rd. They play Cleveland at home. Then on the six, no, the fourteenth, excuse me, they're on the road against Philadelphia. On the the twenty first, they're on the road against Atlanta. Then they're back at home against Detroit. So I think getting Detroit at home is kind of a bummer because that's probably one of your weaker teams. You probably feel like you could have beaten on the road. Atlanta and Philly on the road is going to be tough. Those are two tough places for the Pacers to get wins. I know they've beaten Atlanta and they've beaten Philadelphia, but it just feels like they always struggle in those. And it's kind of interesting that they kind of play Philly on a back to back. One's a non in-season tournament game and then one is right after it is so be interesting to see how that all plays out but the in-season tournament is the second week of December and the Pacers could be there they could not be so they could basically have a whole week off 
But if you look at that schedule right before Fachi, it's kind of interesting. They've got four road games after the end season tournament takes place. That's that first week of December, but they have two road games against Miami before that. So technically they'll be on like a six game road trip to end November and start December. And they have a total, I think of three uh, long road trips, two, six games and Mm -hmm. one five games. So interesting. Yeah, it is. I mean, last year there was a seven game road trip, which was just, it was just brutal. I mean, sometimes those are like, season defining stretches of just like well you know if uh things go pretty south here it's it's gonna it's gonna be tough to recover from and i think i like that it's six at most compared to seven and then yeah there is the one with five so that'll be interesting but i think the nba has done a much better job over the last few years of cutting down the traveling because i remember it sometimes used to be like you know three games and four nights or Maybe the random four and five, and those are just brutal stretches. There is a few different instances instances this year where they've really cut down on travel because it's two-game series against the same team, maybe even staying in the same city, or it might be like playing the Clippers and Lakers back-to-back in the same city, same arena, things like every now and then. I'm not sure if it's this year, but like I remember the, the Pacers playing like Brooklyn and the Knicks back-to-back so they get to stay. I don't think that's the case this year or not, but the NBA's done a good job to cut down on all of that. You know, your flight's getting in late, then you're getting into the hotel late, there's the, there's the game. It's just, it's a lot of wear and tear for the players, so shout-out to the NBA for that. No, there's no doubt about it, and I think some of the games you probably want to highlight, I know you talked about Bilal Koulibaly versus Jairus Walker, but first Monday... In November, Victor Wimbanyama is coming to town. So I think that'll be an interesting one. And before that, you're going to see the second overall pick, Brandon Miller, with the Charlotte Hornets that Saturday. So you're going to get some double action there with some key rookies coming into the league. There's always a lot of fun games. I I think talking about these road trips is kind of interesting, Fachi, because I'm looking at that one in January, and it's a little bit surprising because the Pacers have five games at home before they go on this six-game road trip. They're at Atlanta. Then they travel to Denver play an afternoon game and have a back-to-back against Utah. So that'll be interesting because of the altitude. And then they have two days off, then they're back in Sacramento. Then they play a back-to-back against Portland, who could be drastically different at that point, depending on the trades they make. And then you close out the road trip, like this is just fun, with Phoenix. So, And then when you get back from the road trip, you're at home, and they always say that home game back after a road trip is a scheduled loss. You get Denver again. So... It's going to be a really rough stretch there in January, uh, just seeing those games, but it'll be all right. I think that the road trips are just interesting when they start off with an Eastern Conference team and then they play a bunch of Western Conference teams. I also thought that the road trip in March was a little bit shocking. They're on the road in Detroit. Then they play the California teams in three and four nights. Then they have a day break basically then they're playing chicago before they come home again it's like what what that's a weird schedule to me for right next door to you then go to california for three games and four nights and then before you get home stop in chicago for another one i'm like okay it's not the worst schedule but it's an interesting one yeah it is five home games in the month of march compared to let's see uh 10 on on the road so yeah that's going to be a tough stretch and especially you know march that's one of the Pacers are serious about making a playoff run. Those are pivotal games because there's only a handful of games. There's only seven games in April for the playoffs. So 
that is not a favorable March schedule, especially because a lot of those teams, I mean, you, you went through, look, New Orleans, uh, they could be a playoff team. San Antonio should be better. They're not going to be the the worst team. Dallas should be better. Minnesota playoff team. Orlando should. I mean, the league just in general looks very competitive this year. I think last year we were going through the schedule and we knew the Pacers weren't going to be the best team. You could circle a couple games like, all right, yeah, you know, we should be able to get this win. I really don't know because some of the laughing stocks of the league over the last couple of years, like um, the Houston Rockets, they're, they look improved. And that's a team that you can't just pencil in a win. They'll be better. So man, this schedule, I mean, I guess in January there, there's a good home stretch that hopefully the Pacers can – they we talked about that before. It's like Milwaukee, Atlanta, Boston, Boston. I mean, not there's easy game. not a lot of games that you could say, hey, the Pacers are going to catch fire over here. So, I don't know, Alex. I looked at the schedule and nothing really stood out that was overly favorable to say this is going to be great for the Pacers. Yeah, I think honestly if you look at February – the, the schedule looks a little bit easier there. You've got New York, Sacramento, Golden State. Those are probably your toughest teams there. Dallas is going to be there. But what's really cool is after the All-Star weekend here in Indianapolis, you're having four home games after that, Yeah, which cool. is really nice to kind of close out that month. But like you said, March is just brutal because, well, I talked about that weird five-game road trip to kind of end March. The beginning of March is crazy. You talk about it. The Pelicans, Spurs, Dallas. Then you come home randomly to play Minnesota. Then you're back on the road for Orlando OKC. So five games on the road out of six. And then you got a back-to-back after OKC versus Chicago. Two days off, you go to home to play Brooklyn and Cleveland, which those could be winnable games, and you're on that crazy road trip. So I just think that's an interesting month to kind of keep an eye on things. And we've kind of seen how the Pacers, when they've struggled a little bit the last couple of years, the month of March has really been the nail in the coffin for them. So we'll see how that plays out. But January, they do have two nice home stretches there. They have one five-game home stretch and then one four-game uh, four home stretch. But the opponents are not easy. You talked about it. Milwaukee, Atlanta, Boston, Boston, Washington for the first one. The second one, Denver after a six-game road trip, Philadelphia and Phoenix back-to-back, and then Memphis. That's a tough month. I mean, you're talking about probably top seven seeds in both conferences in that month right there. So it's it's, it's going to be really tough. I think, honestly, got to get some wins early in November. Those are some very winnable games there. You got Cleveland, Charlotte, San Antonio, you know, Philly, Orlando, Toronto. I mean, Detroit, Portland. Like it, Philly is such a weird team right now because we don't they know are. what they're going to be. But those are games you're going to have to win. And so it's just kind of like this schedule is very interesting. Obviously, you're going to play the same teams no matter what. But I thought you brought up an interesting note here on your notes. Not 82 game schedule. Yes, that is very interesting. Every team is slated for 80 games, which at first felt wrong. It felt like yeah. I was like, oh, man, maybe the NBA put up the schedule before they were really ready. But, nope, they know <laughs> what they're doing. <laughs> There's going to be two <laughs> games that are factored for that in-season tournament because we don't know exactly you know, how it's going to plan out. So everyone will play the 82 games, but it very well might not be 41 at home and 41 on the road. It depends, uh, you know, based on this tournament. So I think that's going to be something different. But I think I'm just excited to have the tournament starting early to really make it feel like each game kind of matters. But, yeah, that that was an immediate thing that stood out was like, hey, where's our other two games? Yeah, when I was looking at the schedule, I was, you know, busy working. And all of a sudden I was like, man, this schedule does feel kind of smaller than usual. I don't know why. I was like, I was like, there's a game or two missing. Am I missing something here? 
And then when I saw your notes, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I guess I missed that completely before we got on the podcast. So I'm glad that you had that note in there because it's really important to bring up. In-season tournament is going to be interesting because nobody really knows how it's going to play out, how teams are going to take it. And I don't have any idea what to expect from it. So it's going to be trial and error and figure things out. But this is a great thing to see just because we know that the league is trying to evolve, number one. Number two, having some quote-unquote meaningful games in November could make it a little bit more interesting. I don't know why they feel like they need to do the in-season tournament in December. Maybe, to me, it would make more sense to do it in January. At least give yourself a few months to play and kind of see where you're at as a team because I don't feel like you really know what your team is until the end of December. You need those two months to really see what your team is, and you're trying to have a meaningful in-season game for the play-in tournament in, like, game five. (laughs) That seems a little bit premature for the league, in my opinion. No, it, it definitely does. Um, and especially for, I mean, I guess this only really affects like one team, but like the way that the tournament is so early, I mean, John Morant, someone who's got like a 25 game suspension is basically like missing. That's oh, yeah. You're you right. Know, so like, I guess for, for I mean, in the end, don't get I, suspended, I, I, I guess, but don't get suspended. And I don't think Memphis is really just gunning for the in season <laughs> tournament above all, but. What were your thoughts? I think I saw something on Twitter that I believe you responded to where they were saying, like, uh, maybe it was Bobby Marks who was basically saying, like, I think the winner of the in-season tournament should get a guaranteed playoff spot. I don't agree with that. I mean, come on. What are we doing over here? This is, like, all season's not going to matter if you just win a couple of games. Yeah. I get it. It spices it up, but that's that's a little too spicy for me. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, so I did respond to that. And the thing that I put out, which I still think makes sense because everyone's like, oh, well, your team should get draft picks for it. It's like, well, that doesn't give the players any incentive. That gives the owners incentive. It's very similar to like, oh, maybe you should say if you win the plane, you get two extra home games next year. So you play 43 at home, 39 on the road. Like something like that could be interesting. But once again, that benefits the owners more than it does the players. So my thought was if you win the in-season tournament, then you get home court advantage if you make the play-in tournament. So let's just say uh, yeah, yeah, that that is that's very interesting. I like yeah. that. Yeah. So like let's say a team like the Pacers wins the in-season tournament, they end up with the nine seed. Well, they get to play both their games at home. So that would give them a little bit of an advantage for the play-in tournament. And you can complain about it all you want, but it's like, hey, that's a winner-go-home type of situation. So 
this is why winning this is kind of like how dumb the major league baseball all-star game is that like it determines who gets home field advantage yeah. for the world series, which is just really ridiculous. In my opinion, you it don't want to go that far with it because it's not that big of a deal. And it does feel kind of gimmicky, but I would say this, it could be interesting if you said, okay, in a seven game series, you get an extra game at home, or maybe they say, instead of getting an extra game at home, you determine which games you play on the road. So let's just say, you have th- or you have four games on the road. You get to determine if it's games one, three, five, and seven, or if it's you know one, two, four, and five, or whatever. Like that could be an interesting wrinkle. There is like the team that wins the in season tournament gets to pick the first round schedule for themselves. Something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's Something. it's just so it's so difficult to find a perfect solution. But a guaranteed yeah. spot in the playoffs to that's me way too much. Why should four to five, maybe six games total? matter that much compared to 82 games in the regular season it might as well just take away the regular season then yeah now there's like way too much involved to just base it off of that um but i I like your i like your uh you know thought on like the play-in game or something of of that sort and you know what in the end maybe it doesn't even matter because the team that wins in season tournament could be a really good team that's not in the play-in or or maybe it's just a team that doesn't even make the play whatever it may be i think that that is more um reasonable than a guaranteed playoff spot. They're going to have to come up with something because I think they, I don't remember what the payout was, but like some of these guys are making so much money that it really doesn't matter what you're going to pay them for the in-season, you know, tournament games or anything of that, the champion, whatever. But do we ever see a team hang a banner for the in-season? I I don't want to see it, but I got to know, will we ever see it? I probably <laughs> depends we on could. who wins we, it. I mean, if it's if it's the Charlotte Hornets, I got to hang something, right? So, you know, I mean, the Pacers could do it. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they hung it up there. It just depends on how serious this in-season tournament becomes. And I, I think it is kind of cool to say you won the inaugural in-season tournament, but like after yeah. that, it feels kind of like, yeah, okay. <laughs> exactly. It's definitely cooler than winning the second in-season tournament, but after a little while, I'm sure it's going to be like, all right, you know, feel like we're starting to give out a trophy for just about everything like the clutch player award like the eastern conference finals mvp like now the in-season tournament it's kind of becoming a lot but you know i guess this is something that teams could all be a little bit extra invested in which invest fans i I think it's going to be good for fans to at least say okay like this this game could mean something or let's just see what we got here compared to the usual like i mentioned like ah who cares it's the second game of 82 you know no biggie uh we'll we'll be fine nope you're gonna want to watch this for at least year one for the for the play-in tournament i feel like what i said made a lot of sense if you win the in-season tournament then you get home court advantage for those two games Mm -hmm. now let's just say you said what if a good team wins let's just say the denver nuggets they win it the in-season tournament then i say they get home court advantage, depending on where their standings are, they get home court advantage in the finals if they make it. That could be interesting. The team that wins the in-season tournament, if they make it to the finals, then they get home court advantage for the finals. That would give you more incentive to play because you're like, man, okay, we could be a four seed and play the three seed in the East, but we'd still get home court advantage for the finals, which would be huge for us because that's, that's to me is a big, big, big deal. So that's something that they could do is just like incentivize, like you get home court advantage if you make the finals. Like I think it's a little bit too challenging to say that for your conference, but Mm -hmm. I do think that it's kind of similar to 
how the all-star game does, who gets home field advantage in the world series. But I think that that could be semi-interesting. I don't know if you like that or not, but it's better than nothing. It's definitely better than nothing. And you have to come up with something, uh, obviously home court, you know, when it matters like that, if it, it happens to work out that way. And that's obviously, a you know, a tougher to work out that way, you know, 30 teams, hey, you go through it all. Like, what are the odds that that team ends up winning the in-season tournament and then makes it to the finals? It's probably pretty slim, but, you know, it's it's not a bad situation to say, hey, look, if that's how it works out, that's what it is. It's an extra incentive, but we can't just be punching playoff tickets for, you know, a team that might end up being, you know, a 30-win team. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so let me ask you this. What do you got? For the in-season tournament, since we've not talked about it a lot, mm-hmm. I'm curious okay. your thoughts. Eight teams make it overall, right? Yep. You want to do a little guessing game here on what eight teams you think make the inaugural in-season tournament? <laughs> That's probably going to be tough on the spot. Uh, I think I would have loved to have gone through some of these matchups. <laughs> I haven't first. gone through it either. So, <laughs> Yes, I feel like I'm just going to be picking in the dark, and I feel like it's not going to be just the top eight teams. I feel like there's going to be yeah. a team that goes on the run. Um, early on, well, what team do you think has success early on? I could see the Cleveland Cavaliers having success, and I know okay. that they're in our, our bracket. Um, but I feel like they're a team that was a good regular season team last year. I think there will be a good regular season team this year. I'm not saying for playoffs, but I could see them being a good you know regular season, in-season in tournament type team. All right, let me look up the groups here real quick because I think that could help us narrow it down, like who wins each group, and then we just pick two wild cards. So right. you already picked Group A which was the Cavs. So for Group B, we've got the Bucks, the Knicks, the Heat, the Wizards, and the Hornets. Who do you think comes out of that one? I feel like the Heat are just like that tournament-type team. You know, it's like you don't want to rule them out. So it's like, I guess I'll guess i say the Heat. Okay, you're going to say Heat. I'm going to pick mine separately. I'm going to go with Cavs with you, too. I think, actually, you know what? I'm going to go with the Hawks oh. because I'm high on the Hawks this year. You are high on the Hawks. I'm going to pick the Hawks early on. I think they're going to have success. I'm, I'm going to pick the Bucks. I think the Bucks end up. I could see it. That was going to be my second pick, and I'm, yeah. I'm sure it's pretty obvious. If I'm not going the Heat, yeah, the Bucks yeah. are well, the they best could, team there. They could end up being your wild card here in a second. Uh, for the Group C teams, we have the Celtics, the Magic, the Bulls, the Nets, and the Raptors. Is there a team that sticks out to you there? Okay, so you said Magic, Raptors, Bulls, Bulls Nets, and the Boston Celtics. Oh, my God. God, that's a weak bracket. I'm yeah, going Celtics. Same. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. I was going to be – I don't know what the Celtics uh, – well, I guess it doesn't really matter what their early schedule is because they're just They'll playing those teams. Yeah, exactly. They should win yeah. all those games. I would be shocked. Maybe, maybe the Bulls can beat them, and that would be shocking. All right, let's go yeah. to the West Group A. we got the Grizzlies, the Suns, the Blazers, the Lakers, and the Jazz. Who do you think wins that? The Grizzlies, Suns, Lakers, Jazz. Who was the other one? Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, I'm going Suns. Suns, okay. Man, yeah, Grizzlies won't have John Morant. Lakers, I feel like they're, you know, I don't know. I feel like they won't care too much. They'll try, but I feel like the Suns, they're, they should be on a mission. You should be able to obtain at least, the, in, you know, your bracket for the Suns. That's a team with championship aspirations. Mm, I'm trying to think of any of these teams match up well against the Suns. It's kind of hard to see it. I want to be different just because I feel like being different right now. I'm kind of kind of wanting to lean Lakers, Fudge. Okay. I mean, I'm, that would have been my, my second pick there. You know, it definitely feels like, look, look what the Lakers did in the play-in tournament. Yeah. I mean, they rode that to the conference finals. 
For sure. Okay, let's keep it moving here. West Group B, we've got the Nuggets, Pelicans, Mavericks, Clippers, and Rockets. This is a fun one. Nuggets, Pelicans, Rockets, Mavs, and Clippers. Clippers. Mm. Mm. I'm going to go with the Clippers. I I think they they pull a little upset. I, I feel like this is one of those where, like, you know, Kawhi and Paul George should be healthy at that time of the year. I think I could see them being, like, that team that everyone starts to then be like, yo, this might be the year the Clippers put it all together. The easy right. pick is obviously Denver. I actually think Denver could be a little bit of a, oh, we just won the championship, a little yeah. bit of early so season I. fatigue. So I'm going to pick the Mavericks. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I just feel like the, the the Nuggets would have been the easy pick, but like I don't know. I feel like you're going to get some teams that could be pretty hungry with something to prove. Yeah, now we got West Group C, the final group. We've got Golden State, Minnesota, Oklahoma City, Sacramento and San Antonio. I'm going to say Golden State. Okay. I hate to do this, but you going Kings? I think I'm going Timberwolves. Timberwolves. Okay. All right. And then we got two wild card teams, Vach. Mm. So for one of my wild card teams, I'm going to pick the Sacramento Kings. All right. I'm going to go with the Bucks. Okay. This is interesting. Then my last one, does it does it have to be? Does it matter? I don't think it matters for the wild card teams, does it? I don't know if it does. Well, a I lot guess of stipulations just, with this tournament. Let's you know? just pick one east, one west, just to make it easier. Okay. So I picked my west with the Kings. Was that a bad pick? Probably, but well, I'll keep eh, it. I guess I'll go with the Nuggets for. Uh... Okay. Man. Actually, no, I want the Lakers. Okay, I like it. Yeah. And for me, I am going to go, let's go Cavs for my wild card. All right. So here we have, Fachi has the Cavs, Heat, Celtics, Suns, Clippers, Warriors, Bucks, and Lakers. For his picks, I've got the Hawks, Bucks, Celtics, Lakers, Mavericks, Wolves, Kings, and Cavs. So we've got a couple of different commonalities there with the Cavaliers and the Lakers and the Celtics. So I'm going to keep that. Right here at my computer. We'll come back and see that in a couple months and see how we well, do there, we with our predictions. But with that being said, last thing here before we close it out, you brought up a great point on your notes about the back-to-backs. Can you go ahead and reiterate what you sent on your notes to me? Yeah, so I thought that this was this was a great job by the NBA as I was complimenting them about these back-to-backs. You know, one of the things that they did was uh, there's 13 back-to-backs um, on the Pacers schedule. So in the past, there's always more than that. Only seven of them actually require traveling because the Pacers are going to do things like playing like the Lakers or the Clippers or, or playing you know the same team in, in the same city. So I think that that's awesome. So you got five different instances where the Pacers are just staying in the same city. So I think that it's great to be able to save the Pacers all of that wear and tear of getting on a plane and traveling and then being exhausted or a time difference or anything of that sort. So the NBA has come a long way, 13 back-to-backs, but the Pacers are not traveling. They're only traveling for about half of them, which I think is amazing. That's a great point, and I think that you're right. The league's done a great job trying to cut back on the amount of travel, and it's going to be awesome to see these players hopefully not have to travel as much. But I just hope that we don't have to see guys rest and take rest days because it does impact what's going to happen with 
the awards at the end of the season. That's a new rule mm-hmm. that got put into place with the CBA trying to encourage players, which is co- it's so dumb, but you have to encourage players to play more than 65 games or 65 minimum. So yep. that's a big thing. And I think that the it league is. knows that, hey, we're making all this money. We need to have our stars out there when we're playing. I mean, there's going to be instances where they can't injuries happen. I get that. But when you have guys purposely sitting, oh, this is a rest day. This is our fourth game and, you know, five nights or six nights and we're on the road against the Pacers. Well, Steph Curry only comes to Indiana once. And if he's sitting out because it's a rest night, that's just not fair to the rest of the, the fans that want to come watch him play in Indiana. So I think they need to start finding these players for resting personally, in my opinion, on the road like that. If you want to rest games, rest at home because there's 41 opportunities to come watch these guys play. And if you want to have a rest day, I think it should be a home game. That's just my thoughts on that. I just don't like when we see star players resting in in, in cities where they're only there once. It's just not fair to those fans because there's fans of every team all over the place. I completely agree. It should be at home because just for that exact reason, hey, there's 41 opportunities that if you still want to see that guy. But you might only come to Indiana once. Uh, yeah. Next, because that they need to play 65 games minimum now, do you think we see more players just maybe doing the tip and the tip off and then calling timeout and coming out so they get to log the game? Or does the NBA eventually mandate it for you have to play one or two quarters, something like that? No, they're going to have to do something about that because if they I allow so. that to happen, that's going to be problematic. I think mm-hmm. it also, I think it honestly should be like 65 games times the amount of minutes they play per year. So let's just say, on a, or just do an average of like 25 minutes per game or 20 per game, whatever. So you at least have to play 20 minutes a game. That to me, yeah, just makes I, I the think most sense. there you go. Just something like that, because we've seen that in the past where guys have just done the tip off. They've called timeout. They're out of there. They, they hit their, their bonus or whatever they need to do. And it's like, yeah. Oh, come on. But I think, I think Bridges did that last year, right? Game 82. I, I, I think so. He ended up playing 83 games or, Players oh, yeah, have that's done what that. it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe it's like a 15 minute minimum, 10 minutes minimum, something that is like we're not At asking this guy exactly. We're not asking him to like risk his life, but could you could you play 10, 15, 20 minutes, something of the sort, one one quarter, whatever it may be. I hope the NBA doesn't have to get to that level, but I feel like that's going to be something that they will enforce one day. No, for sure, Fachi. Well, I think this is going to wrap up our conversation, our initial reactions to the schedule being released, as well as some thoughts on the end-season tournament. But go ahead and let people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I, fa- I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook, Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok. That's setting the pace. And Alex, tell them where they could check us out on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers podcast where you can check out our video content. I will say at the beginning of the season, we're going to hopefully have all of our content up there on a regular basis. So it won't be just on the audio, then there later. So if you're a fan of listening to us on here, then we'll be here just as normal. But if you like watching us as well, we'll be on the YouTube page there. So excited for that to happen. But Fachi, if you're excited to see the Pacers in action coming up here in just a couple of months, then hit me with those three words. Let's go, Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth.
Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.